Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Gannon. Really happy to have you back for another week. Before we get started, I want to announce the winner of our higher or lower game for last week. Michael Jenkins, with a high score of 37, won the $100 gift card, which was sponsored by Full Bay. To our friends at Full Bay, we just did some content with them, did another webinar with them. If you get a chance, go check out some of the educational resources they have out at their their website at Full Bay. Really, really is a great, great company with a lot of resources for you. Unfortunately, Michael did not turn over the Queen of Hearts, so the Queen of Hearts pot goes up to $600. If you remember, last week we had a winner of the big pot, so it reset to $500. We're back to $600 again. And, and so if you want to get your shot at that $600 pot, head out to the Wrenchway app. Play our higher or lower game. If you win that, you get a ch- you get a crack at that on top of winning a one hundred dollar gift card. One other thing to note: technicians, are you looking for a job? Even if you're just casually looking, you really need to go check out our reverse job posting. Reverse job posting flips the traditional job board around. Now you can fill out a short questionnaire and let shops reach out to you with job opportunities. No resume is needed. The best part is all of your contact and information remains anonymous until you're ready to share it. It's a great way to explore new job opportunities, and it's completely free. Download the Wrenchway app in the App Store or on Google Play to try reverse job posts for free. Links to download are in the show notes below. As for this week's podcast, I, I mentioned it at the top, but was a really fun conversation with a, a, a really uh, great individual, Judy Devere from AskPatty.com. And, and really, we talked about trying to make your shop more female-friendly and some numbers behind that as to why it's really, really important and some really great action items to, to take back to your shops. And this goes back to not only just to the customer side, but how you deal with female employees and make sh- making sure that you are really auditing yourself and, and doing a good job with that. So great conversation. We dive into creative ways to start looking to attract women on both the the consumer side and the hiring side. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. I really enjoyed my conversation and uh, think you will uh, enjoy it as well. Have a great day. All right. Really excited for today's show. Welcoming Jody DeVere from askpatty.com. Jody, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Jay? Really good. I'm. I'm. This podcast is going to be fun. I, Jody, and I have had multiple conversations prior to this pod. Love everything that Jody's doing, and I think I just really have a good rapport with Jody. So this will be. This will be a lot of fun. And and so, Jody, for those of our guests that are our, our listeners that don't know AskPatty.com, can you give us kind of an idea of of what AskPatty.com is? Yes, of course. So Ask Patty is in her 17th year, and it's really threefold. One, we provide automotive advice and educational uh, article content for consumer women. We also train and certify 
automotive retailers, you know, auto shops, dealerships, quick lubes, uh, tire dealers, parts departments on how to communicate effectively with women. And we also act as the marketing agency for our clients to help them resonate better uh, to women and families in their marketing. And just recently, we launched additional training, which is called Upshift Training, which revolves around leadership, culture, and workforce. And that's where we connected because we are also helping our clients attract develop and retain more automotive technicians. And we could all use more of those, right? So that yeah. that works out well. <laughs> yeah. So how, and, and this is something that's not new to you, right? You've, you've been around the industry for, for a minute. 21 years, 21 years. In fact, almost 22 and, and my entire career with the exception of the first literal few months has all revolved around the women's market in some way. And I, the last five or seven years, I've also focused very heavily on bringing more women into the industry, including female technicians and developing their careers and developing more leaders. I also co-own another company, the Women in Automotive, which these two things work hand in hand which doesn't say, I never say you have to have a woman working in your shop to be female friendly, but it sure helps. And most shops that I talk to all say, we want to hire more women. They don't apply for the jobs. And this is something we help our our clients with. And overall, I've become a bit of a a spokesperson uh, for for women in the industry and also the women's market. And uh, I hope today the listeners get some helpful tips on how to improve and grow their market share with women. And based on our conversations, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think you're going to give them <laughs> plenty of good nuggets to go home with. So that's good. So, so tell me, uh, before we get into the subject at hand, uh, tell me about how you got into the industry in the first place and, and really found that niche. What, how, what was your kind of your upbringing and, and what led you to this point? So I have a long story, so I won't tell you the whole story because, you know, I'm getting up there, but I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I like to tell people that, which in in those days, and still, it was a huge car culture. In fact, there was a Chevy plant in Van Nuys, California, and yeah, I was the girl that put the boulevard, and on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, and my dad who was an engineer, an aerospace engineer, did all the repairs on our Chevy. And I was the daughter, the youngest of four daughters, who was under the car with him, handing him the tools. And I just grew up that way. Fast forward, I actually spent 30 years in high tech and came to the automotive industry. I've sort of been a serial entrepreneur. And I came to the auto industry because I was, I had gone grown weary of the short intervals for product life cycle. And, I, and many of my friends in the industry had gone to automotive because at that point in time, and this is around 2000, vehicles were starting to have onboard computers and more electronics or technology. And so I was a good fit. And I did some consulting and ended up, you know, no, no woman, unless they grow up in Detroit or, ha- or grow up in a family, 
come, we usually come by accident to automotive, right? But I definitely have a great love of vehicles. In fact, I love motorsports. I'm a very active off-road jeeper. And so, you know, I'm sort of, I'm a very adventurous kind of person in that way. So I had started a consulting business in automotive and I met up with some folks and it actually happened at SEMA that I had this brainstorm that, wow, there's such a disconnect between the automotive retail and women consumers and how they're communicating. And as a serial entrepreneur, what you want to do to be successful is close the gap or solve a problem that's happening in an industry, perhaps in a way that hadn't been thought about. And that's what inspired AskPatty.com. And no, Patty is not my daughter, aunt, or grandma. (laughs) Everybody asked that question, so I'm giving it to you preemptively. It was really kind of a random thing. But coincidentally, and remember, I have a heavy uh, technology background. When Patty launched, ask.com was a really hot property at that time. And putting Ask and Patty together, you know, within the first year, we were featured uh, on the front page of the New York Times business section. Wow. And, and it, it, we, we came on the scene and just exploded because it was the right time and, and the right way to uh, go to market. So, yeah, so here we are many years later and still working on closing that gap. How, how did you come up with the name Patty then? Because I, I will say my mom's name is Patty, and I think she's probably, I don't know if she's aware of the website yet, but I'm going to make sure she is. And she, she's going to say, yeah, that, that should have been a thing dozens and dozens of years ago because you could just ask her and she would not know. <laughs> All right, right. No, it was just, it was random. I mean, the, some of the discussions were asked Jody, but as a serial uh, entrepreneur, one of the things you don't want to do is name your business after yourself. Yeah, uh, I know a, shop, a lot of shop owners do that because it's really hard to sell it with your name on it. Although, Patty, uh, I have owned uh, Ask Patty the longest of any of my many successful and some failed companies over the years. Um, still very passionate, still a lot of room to grow. And very often when I'm interviewed on TV or radio, I'm referred to as Patty and I call that good branding. She <laughs> is iconic. <laughs> it, it is really, really hard to do, to make sure that you're, you're making sure that you're doing the right name. So that, that's, uh, I give you a lot of credit, great, great brand. And, uh, and what you're doing is really, really impactful. I, I think at the core of it, that this is something that needs to change in our industry. I think it has, you know, slowly evolved. I think we're getting closer, but that really brings us to our topic of the day, which is is really being able to provide advice to shops on becoming female friendly and and maybe even ways to identify whether you are female friendly already or if you think you are but you're really not. You know, I think when we dive into this conversation, our initial conversation, I it opened my eyes to some things. And in growing up in a shop, that was something that I think I look back at my time in a shop and I was like, whoa, maybe I wasn't as female friendly as I thought I was or as accommodating or as respectful, you know, and, and not that I was ever degrading, I don't feel like, but I, I think there's, there's always room to improve with this. And, and, 
I want to start with that is being able to understand that, you know, where are you in your path of of being female friendly when it comes to a shop? And and maybe to start with, what do you see with shops? Like, what, what do you see? Are they, do they have an accurate depiction of who they are when it comes to how they deal with females? So, uh, first of all, every shop, depending on their demographic and where, you know, their local market, I believe all shops pretty much want to deliver great customer service. So I don't think without question, because they want their customers to come back. What I am about is giving them a strategic advantage with women who statistically are about 73% of of service customers in today's market and influence 85% of those decisions, whether they're married or not. And one of the things that I know, because we've worked with thousands of shops and dealerships is to ask, start asking yourself some questions. Do I actually know how many women are my customers versus men? Because if those statistics are true, my customer base of women should be higher. I should be seeing more women coming in. And most people don't track that. The other thing that's really easy information to get your hands on is the demographics of your local market. Well, how many, what's the total available market of women for me in my market that I could have as clients? What are their age? How much money do they make? Are they married? Are they single? And then look at my customers currently and say, wow, there's so much opportunity in other areas. And, And I like to say women and families because she kind of brings that along. And the, the, and so these are some questions that you may not think to ask or look into to see everyone's looking to grow their business and, and you need to understand the total available market of women in your local market, or if you're a multi-location in all your markets, and then see where the gaps are and then come up with a plan to start attracting and bringing and, and their needs, understand their needs. So It goes without saying, and this is for me too, that the woman's market from a consumer point of view is extremely complex. And so I don't think shop owners are delving into that and keeping in touch, not like I do, because that's my job. You know, that's, that's what people come to me for. And so we extend that knowledge to our clients. We have had clients with us almost the like 15 years, 16 years. So why, if they're already certified female friendly, do they keep coming back? Because the evolving market, it's not about a one time and done. It's about evolving with the women's marketing, staying current, staying current with the subtle ways to have conversation with her, subtle ways to market to her. And so I think this is some of the areas that, you know, when you make assumptions, I do not ever state that I know everything about the woman's market ever that that's arrogant because I'm learning all the time. I, I have to um, go to the experts in that market and that may be in and out of mostly out of automotive Yeah, because our industry, and I'll, I'll make one of the statement and it's just, you know, I am all in support of this industry. I'm all in. However, there's a huge gap 
as well is the number of women working in the industry. Currently, it's at 26.2%, and that's all women working in all roles, including at automakers, aftermarket parts, dealerships. At dealerships, it's a little lower. In, in the aftermarket with the shop owners, many are owned by a, a husband wife. So, you know, you have that advantage of having that point of view. And so it creates this testosterone laden language and thinking that creates a gap. So we talked about this yesterday and I'll shoot it back to you after this statement. So curious thing. Women speak approximately 20,000 words a day. And thank you, Jay. I get to have a bonus today. I'll probably get 30 or 40 because of this. <laughs> and how many words a day do you think men speak a day on average? I, I think my guess was half and I was high. You're high. It's three to 4,000. And so I want you to marinate on that, listeners. So this is a gap in communication. If she's talking a lot and you're talking a little, how do you close the gap in communication and how it plays out in the shop sometimes is she come, you know, she's standing at the counter and you're trying to write the RO to get her in and get her done. But she wants to tell you every story. She loves her vehicle. So she doesn't want to just talk about this incident and repair but she wants to tell you the last three and about and then she starts getting into every car she loved and owned and you're like feeling frustrated and that's the vibe you're giving off because you just want to fix her problem so you know so how do you handle these general gaps in communication and make it a win-win and ensure that she is having a great experience and that you have earned her loyalty so how, how how do you so there's a general understanding that just based on what you're saying and I want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly a female is going to talk more than a male right like just in, in just human nature how from a male's perspective can you almost train yourself to to one understand that and then adapt to that like what is a good maybe a good way to to combat that. I think I'm guilty of this where I'm like, go, go, go all the time, always in a rush. So being able to slow down and make sure you're listening and not, you know, not pretending like you're listening, but really you're on to the next thing in your head. How, how do you how do you do that? Well, it's definitely uh, a discipline and, and we all need to be better listeners. I mean, this is not just a male, female, but in context of the, the ability to provide uh, an experience for a woman customer is to be fully present. So first of all, you need to put your cell phone away. You can't be glancing at your phone and, and talking. One of the things that how that I train is to make eye contact. It's really hard to be distracted when you're having appropriate, I don't mean staring her down, <laughs> appropriate eye contact. And the other suggestion that I have, and we run into this a lot too, where even listening is about when you answer the phone. And it's kind of the way some just have their operations where the, the service advisor, the person who is working the counter also is responsible for answering the phones. So even my staff, as we're calling clients, sometimes will get this, hi, this is John C. Can you hold on me? You know, like, well, 
why was he yelling at me? And why did he kind of hang up on me? Was it? And so I think <laughs> one way to help the service advisor be more present for all clients, but especially women, is that they're also not responsible for handling the phone in and that you have that, especially in the morning, you know, because usually that's when people are coming in and getting their vehicles in for the day and in the afternoon and, you know, hand phone handling and giving the service advisor as owners, the opportunity to be present for every client, especially women. Those are some tips, you know, good eye contact, and also we, you know, we provide training, but I got to say, it's not one and done. We also provide ongoing training again, because it's evolving. And these are things that you need to have. We do monthly webinars and so we have a lot of content and we work with our clients because especially when they have new people and onboarding and getting them sort of in the swing of, of how that is. So these are disciplines that you need to practice and the last thing to say is we get a lot of feedback when our clients start practicing these new skills and they have such great results. That's why you keep doing it. When you get the results you want, really happy customers, great reviews. Um, and in today's market, I, it used to be in the olden days that a woman would tell 10 of her friends who would tell 10 of her friends, well, guess what? Now we have social media and she can literally be sitting in your waiting room, Twittering and Facebooking and Instagramming and any and 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 TikToking her experience with you. And and it can she has a lot more influence today in real time than ever before as well. So this is something that I, I found really interesting out of our prior conversations when we were prepping for the podcast was uh, there might be some psychology behind maybe that awkward interaction between a male and a female in general. And, you know, as I thought about it, I was like, you know what, it kind of goes back to like when you're kids and if maybe a boy, a little boy had a crush on a little girl or something like that and was like, uh, you know, they were super awkward and not like, and not saying like, that's the, that's the relationship that we see here, but more so that you know, the context of, of how it feels sometimes where there's just almost like an awkwardness in general with somebody then, you know, and I, I, I use that analogy because I think it almost feels like that translates when we get older too, to where it, it's hard to get around that part or re really maybe hard for some people to, to not be awkward in that situation and really trying hard to not be awkward. And then I think they put so much pressure on themselves that, that they make it even more awkward. But do you see that at all? And, and yeah. are you, I mean, is that, is that an accurate comparison or is that just kind of outlandish? And in fact, I'll, I'll share something that happened to me. I, I, you know, I buy cars too. And I, and I was in a car buying situation. I won't tell the whole story, but let's fast forward. And now I'm in the F&I office the you know, where you're signing all the paperwork and I had called a male friend to meet me at the dealership so he could help me clean up my car. And we were going to go out to dinner and, you know, celebrate, Woohoo! you know, new vehicle. And when he arrived, he came into the F&I office and sat down next to me. And immediately the F&I guy stopped looking at me and talking to me and started talking <laughs> to him a lot. And of course he knew what I, it's not like I announced I'm asked Patty. So you better behave yourself. 
I just want to see what's going to happen. And he, my friend, John, is his name kind of rolled his eyes away. You better start talking to Richard and lose his deal. <laughs> and afterward, I had an epiphany about that, that what happened in that little vignette, he was just more comfortable talking to John than he was to me. Let's think about this. In most shops, it's almost all men. It's it's not as rare, but it's pretty rare to have a lot of women working in automotive repair shops. Again, it's a very testosterone-laden environment, and, and that comes with a culture that's automatic about guy talk and, you know, and all the things that go with that. And then you have women coming in and you have to change gears. So I think it comes from perhaps because you're spending so much time in this male testosterone uh, laden uh, environment that it's hard to switch gears and attune yourself that, that, that this is a consumer women. And some of those things, those behaviors need to be set aside. I'll give another example. Most of the guys are going to nod their heads. Men, when they get together in a social environment, do what I call side talking. They don't pull their chairs around in a circle and talk to each other face to face. They sit side by side and they kind of, hey, yeah. <laughs> no eye contact at all. And it's very, and that's just, it's these, these, these are norms. I'm not saying everyone does that all the time, but it's a norm. You do that in the shop. You're not sitting down having intimate conversations. If you go to a social event, the next social event you go, and I know during COVID, these are rare, but even at a family event, the women will all sit together and they'll turn their chairs toward each other so that they, they can have full-on contact. The men will. And, and, and so, again, I think it, it's the information that you need to kind of relax and make a friend, you know, and 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 help you understand that these are what I call unconscious behaviors that may not be doing you very well in in an environment where you're trying to take care of a, of a female customer. That makes that resonates so much with me, and my family is so much that way. We just uh, we were down at my grandparents' place, and the, the analogy when you said that painted a picture for me and I'm like, oh my goodness, we did this exact same thing uh, for the 4th of July. <laughs> we had all the guys go out into like the sunroom and have the baseball game on and we're all sitting like kind of in a, like next to each other, you know, almost shoulder to shoulder. And all of the women are around the kitchen table and they're all tied. As soon as you said that, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is so true. <laughs> So, so, and, and, you know, and I, and I want to just say a couple of things that will maybe rub people, but again, I'm here to help you. You know, we, I've talked to thousands of shop owners at this point, and so, sometimes they, they'll justify, well, I'm female friendly. I'm married and I have three daughters. I know all about, I've got it down with women. And I'm not buying that, guys. Uh, I'm just not buying it. Uh, that is not knowledgeable of the women's market, which is complex. That's your family. And by the way, uh, I think my training helps in communicating effectively with all women. <laughs> it could help you. But 
<laughs> that's not being female friendly. That that's a that's an excuse to do the hard work because it is work. Any any new skill requires effort and time. And again, with the amount of influence that she has in purchasing decisions as it, as it relates to repairs and parts, and she is getting more knowledgeable. But the truth is, we still on Ask Patty. <laughs> you know, we take questions from women are still getting, when is my oil change? You know, when do I need my brakes replaced? Simple things that they that are in the manual. No consumer reads that manual, by the way. They've even tried no. to video it. Nobody reads it. But women come to you, most consumer women, feeling defensive because they know they're not knowledgeable about this and they know they don't understand your language. And to be honest, unfortunately, our industry still has that malaise on it that we take advantage of women. And I say we because I believe I'm part of that. I'm here to help solve that. And so understanding some of these nuances help you develop a better culture overall and help you communicate more effectively. And, and, and some of the training is about body language. Some of it is about verbal communication, the telephone marketing, how you market, you know, another tip, go look at your website. If there's parts and, and men and all this stuff all over your website, well, that's, that's your brochure where nowadays, where's the reflection of, I belong in this environment in your, in your, pre, your brand presence online. And so these are just some subtle ways that send really strong signals to women that you are female friendly in terms of your overall environment. I, I love that. I think, you know, that's something we've promoted on the Wrenchway side. And I don't talk about Wrenchway a whole lot on the podcast, but that was one thing that I thought was important. And maybe we segue into a female in the workplace and, and how that looks. You know, we've we've promoted a lot with, you know, we're very big on video, but having a woman on their Wrenchway page talking about what it's like to work there and their experience in working yes. there so that they can attract, you know, one of the big things that we always talk about is how difficult it is to find technicians. And based on the stats that that you had said, and I think there's an industry stat as well, that 1% of all technicians are female. One. It's, it's under 2%. Yeah. It's, a it, it's, in, it's insane. But when we're looking for, we're looking for good help and, you know, I think being able to, you know, marketing to a consumer is a big thing, but then being able to to really, one, make sure you are a good place and you are female friendly so that when you do put that, that female on camera that she says stuff glowingly about your operation. But maybe talk to me a little bit about that. If you've got a female employee in a shop set, you mentioned it earlier where a lot of times it can be very testosterone driven. How, you know, what are opportunities that you see to make a shop more female friendly and maybe to turn that 1% into, you know, 25% or 30%? You know, I, I think aspirationally, that's something I want to see out of industry is to get more females in and make them comfortable when they're there. Any suggestions on on how a shop can, one, kind of look at 
how female friendly they truly are. And when I say that more, probably more so to their employee side, their internal team, how do you, you know, what do you see there? So I have a saying, if a woman is not comfortable being your customer, buying, you know, being your customer, she's not going to want to work there. So that, so that's why I have worked on both sides, bringing both sides together because that goes hand in hand. With the, I have a lot of information about women technicians because I support several organizations, including the Tech Force Foundation, who has a program. You'll find my videos and Bogey Latina and the All Girl Garage and all these things. And one thing that's kind of disturbing for me because I, I've also done that where I go to all the high schools and I talk to the women who are in, in the remaining auto shop programs to try and encourage them to complete and get them placed. I've had some success. But what I often hear from these young aspiring female technicians is that nobody will hire them. And they get this response, you don't fit into our environment. Or basically, even the teachers have called me and said, I don't understand it. She's our top student. I can't give her the job. And the reason is, no. And I, it, I, I wouldn't bring it up if it was a one-time thing. This is a, like a trend. It's very frustrating. So there's a gap there that somehow the owners have concerns about sexual harassment or they have concerns about, I don't want to make the necessary accommodation changes. We've been doing it. I don't know how, I don't know about the guys here. And, and, and I'm being really open here and just saying yeah. if that's, kind of how you're feeling well you really need a major adjustment in your culture overall you know if you can't retain it you know women employees or or make them comfortable in the in the front or the back and you know women are great listeners actually they make excellent service advisor front counter folks and one of the And you do not have to hire someone with automotive background, someone who works in retail with great customer service experience. By the way, I would like to recommend young people who have worked at Starbucks. They provide a tremendous amount of training, believe it or not, and they make more money the more training they take and they make great front people. You can also have them go through the ASE service advisor certification so that they can wear the patch so that they feel more qualified and they represent more qualified to your customers. And so I think that, that again, we're talking about a bigger issue than just hiring. We're talking about, an in, you got to take a look at your culture and are you coming of age in the, in the developing market that is more inclusive and is culture matters. Consumers, especially women, make their choices, not just on price, but on who you are in the community. How do you represent? What are you known for other than the fact that you repair vehicles? Is, you know, and I want to add this to that millennials and women have a lot of things in common, and there's a lot of debate about you know, how difficult it is to hire millennials, that they want to feel like the work that they're doing is making a difference. And we help our clients understand how to develop that, 
that that to give meaning to their work other than just get a paycheck, do your job. And 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 this is work for the owners to to look at a sort of a broader picture of their business and how they will be sustainable and successful and in growth mode. Times have changed. The needs of employees have changed. There is a hiring crisis in our industry overall, yet there are many people out of work. So they're stop, look, choose. They want to choose the right job for them, which can be very frustrating. I one of the things that you you said there struck a chord with me with the with the top student being a female and struggling to find a job and that's something that drives me absolutely insane. I <laughs> I I don't know why you would wouldn't want to bring a smart person that works hard at things into your operation regardless of age um sex color like if if they're good I, to me, it starts at the leadership level uh, that you, you need to be setting the tone for what everybody else perceives it as in the company. You know, and I, I think that there's just so much frustration from my end that if you if you start off by cutting off 50 percent of the of, you know, the human race is 50 percent female and you're just discounting that they can't do the job. No wonder we're in a hiring crisis. <laughs> we you know, I, I think. There's so, there's so many talented ladies out there that can do the job, do the work. I've seen it firsthand. I've hired female technicians. And one of the interesting things, and I'd be curious to, to pick your brain on this, is that in the female techs that I've hired for, for me personally, one of the things that I saw was almost an awkwardness in the shop, but it was from the the guys in the shop trying to overdo it. Right. They were trying to they were trying to over accommodate. And it, it was so surprising to me that that was a thing. But they were it was almost like just a almost like a fish out of water almost. And I think a lot of times when I would sit down and talk to the female technicians, they would say, listen, I just want to be treated like a technician. Like I don't male, female. I don't care. Whatever. But everybody else would change how they acted so much when, you know, there's one particular instance that I can remember when she was around and (laughs) it was such a a weird dynamic. Like it was just like you would have these really hardened, you know, maybe baby boomer aged person just kind of not know how to act. And you're like, just calm down. Like, it's all right. Like, she's a person. Like, she, <laughs> you don't have to act any different. Try to maybe clean up some of the language and do some of that. But at the end of the day, when I would sit down and talk to the female techs, they would just tell me that. Like, you know what? I just want to be treated like another tech. Like, don't, don't like, That's you right. know, try, try to overdo it here. Do you see that too? Yes. And, and so this is, I hope I'm explaining it right. But so in your personal life and how you, the culture that you hold within yourself about women, let's not talk about work here, your culture, your values and your, how you, how you view women comes into your workplace with you. And some of that may not be appropriate, like 
don't open the door for your female employee. You're there to work. This this is called, you know, this is equity. We're we're being equals here now. And so some of the training that you have internally from both male and female needs to be modified in the work environment for things to run smoothly for communication. Definitely with respect, you know, don't call me baby, sweetheart, honey, you know, this is, and so I think that, that people need to, owners of the shop need to understand the internal views of women, of their employees, as they bring women into the workplace. And I've heard the same thing. They just want to be, they just want a job. They know they're going to be working with a bunch of guys. They're not, nobody's fooling them. They know that they're a great minority, but they just want to do their job. And, and they, and they want it to be equal. You know, the, I want to back up and say though, because these are, you know, this value system, this internal culture that you bring with you into the workplace about women also relates to just the workforce in general about our industry. It is no longer true that you just need to steal the tech from the other shop and keep going. And, and, and I think I would like to say very strongly that if you want to bring women in, whether they're technicians or service advisors, you have to have a plan. You need to, in other words, you need to create a pipeline that you're actually having a plan of where to recruit these people, how to develop them and how to bring them up into your shop and provide the training instead of this whole quick fix thing. And if it doesn't work out in 30 days on to the next, it's not working for the industry anymore. And this is one of the reasons there's such a shortage of technicians. And I think shop owners, if they cannot or do not have the time because they're working on the business, in the business instead of on the business, if you know what I mean, Yep. then they need to get help from people like Ask Patty or Wrenchway or other resources to help them with the part of that employment pipeline that they, they need to do on an ongoing basis to continue to have exceptional employees. Yeah. And that's, we, we're both passionate about that and banging that drum because I think that, you know, that mentality that, you know, I'm just going to grow my own and, you know, that's great. But it's not like if you just say you're going to grow your own and don't actually take any action toward doing anything differently, you're going to end up in the same spot and you're going to get more and more frustrated as this becomes worse and worse and worse. And, and that's where, you know, the culture of being a good place to work at. And I think that goes hand in hand with being female friendly, right? Is like, if, if you're a good place to work at and you've got good people there to start with, and, and even if they're all male and you're trying to bring in your first female into the shop or a different, you know, a different female, whatever it might be. I hear what you said earlier. And I heard what you said earlier where, you know, maybe a shop owner is worried about some type of misconduct in a shop because there's a female in the shop. Mm -hmm. And that probably to me speaks more about the people in the shop already than it does. You know, like, I think that's where, when we say you have to have a good shop, a good place to work at, that's not just shops, business in general, you have to have a good business uh, and, and a good environment in order to bring any new person in but to have the confidence that when you bring that female in that you've got leadership in the shop that can take care of that person 
and make sure that they're growing and make sure that they're getting the training that they need Mm -hmm. and the tooling that they need. Right. And like being able to, you know, again, not even, not even really female specific, but having tooling in the shop where people's, they can lift heavy stuff. Anybody can lift like where, you know, you see so many 50, 60 year old techs right now that their bodies are breaking down and this has been happening forever, right? Like I, right. I remember I worked with an older gentleman up in Northern Wisconsin at one point and he would brag about like how when he was younger, he would lift a 350, a 350 short block into a car without <laughs> using a cherry picker. And I'm like, one, super impressive. You're very strong, but two, very you're stupid genius. because you're going to, you're going to pay for that someday. And so, you know, I think that's where it comes down to, to me, if you have a good place to work at, hopefully that is conducive to having a female friendly um, establishment. I, I don't know if that makes you know, sense. I think you're, I think what we're talking about now is the core pieces of your business. And, and I always like to say, ask your business owner, ask yourself the question, do you, whether you realize it or not, you have created a culture in your business. What does that consist of? What is the culture of my business? Is it a growth culture? Is it a control? What what is the culture? And just even sitting down and asking yourself that question and getting some support to sort of work, well, what kind of culture do we have now? What have we created here? And what kind of culture would I like to have? would I prefer or what would be better for growth or for uh, employee retention or for sustainability? There are a lot of pressures on shop owners as vehicles. You know, now we have all these electric vehicles and we have all these different mandates. And depending on what part of the country I'm in California, there's a lot of more and more rules around that. So there's a lot of competing things that are happening with business owners on the decision-making. So perhaps they're not spending enough time talking about culture and employment and looking at the mix of their employees and understanding how it will impact the, the bottom line, the, the ROI of the business. I want to get back on point on the female-friendly thing yeah. is that, you know, I will always state you do not have to have women working in your business to be female friendly. That is not a requirement. It does help. It is helpful if it's the right woman. I've even trained. We train the women too in Ask Patty and they go, oh my gosh, I've been just like the guys. I got to change my evil ways. Seriously. And so there, so I think it's a commitment to understanding and continuing to understand the flexes and the how the women's market is responding and how I can be responsive. COVID, we're still in the middle of it, was a great example. How do I address the safety concerns of moms? And, you know, all these things became, emotional intelligence became very critical during this time for business owners, for their people and for their customers. And so the female friendly is not a one and done brand Yes, you get to bear that seal if you've been to my training, but it is an ongoing experience to develop excellent culture, retain employees, and serve the most influential customer that you have, which are women, 
in your business and, 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 and that growth, I've seen tremendous growth. And I'll just note one customer of mine, I, I won't say their name, but they're a large multi-location prior to becoming part of my program. We did a study to find out exactly what percent were their customers. It was 40%. And within two years, Working with us, it was 72%. And it has maintained that they have been my customer now for 12 years because they're evolving. They're staying with the women's market. They're growing with the changes in the market. And I want to state for the record that female friendliness or an employment and culture is an ongoing commitment. It's not a one and done thing. I love that. That one kudos to you on that transition. I mean, that's a that's a hard thing to do uh, to go, especially with that drastic of a percentage change. So if if you're a shop and we're we're kind of I think about ten minutes from from closing this out, but if you're a shop and and you want to look at some ways to one analyze where you're at, I, I think you gave them some homework right off the bat with understanding your demographic and understanding how much of your customer base is, is, is female. But say you do that and understands that there's a financial impact of this as well, but they sit down and they say, okay, I want to put together a game plan of how do I become a female-friendly shop? How does somebody go about that? Obviously, Ask Patty is a, a great resource, and I'd encourage any of you that are out there and have listened to the podcast and, and loved what Jody said to, to head out there and check it out. She's got some fantastic resources out there. What's a, what's a good way to, to really start putting together a plan? Well, I think getting feedback. And so one thing that would be great, and this would not be a member of your family or a woman working, is to reach out to maybe 10 of your female customers and give them a checklist of things and invite them to come to the shop and do not necessarily a mystery shop, but just criteria like, I mean, I don't want to talk about the bathrooms, but it is important. <laughs> Very and important. What I call the curb appeal, the look and feel in the exterior and the, and how things are like, what women's magazines do you have in the waiting room? I went to visit a client before they became my client. It was in a metropolitan area, very executive level area. And they had a lot of women's magazines many, many copy of soap opera times. And I was quite offended. It's like, really, you think that's what all those women do? We sit around and watch soap operas, eat bonbons and read soap opera times. And they had track and field and, you know, all these. And I'm like, this is an area where mostly these are working women. I, I was really quite offended. They changed which magazines they're, you know, wow. based on their demographic, based on their demographic. So having women give their input and talk about the, and this would not be uh, reviews. Obviously online reviews are a great way to get feedback, but this would be, and we actually provide our clients some criteria for that to happen. And then, and even uh, reward them say, if you'll do this, you know, we'll give you a gift card or a free oil change. We really are trying to improve our results with women and it's eye-opening You know, and I think owners and employees get so used to their environment and what's going on. They need that external feedback to make improvements. And so so that's a really good start. Well, how would a woman want it? You know, a a small thing, putting two hooks on the back of the bathroom door. 
Ah, purse. Yes. So you can put your purse and your coat, right? To keep them off the floor. No woman wants to put her purse on the floor. <laughs> you know, small, do you know, one of the, I'm just going to give you a, for instance, because I love to give little tips. So yeah, what you can say you're really female friendly in subtle ways. Like you could put a sign on the back of the bathroom door, whether it's for men or women and say, if you need spare diapers, we have them behind the counter. Or if you need feminine products, unless you're putting it there, we have them behind the counter. It happens where there's an emergency situation or someone, you know, their vehicles towed in for whatever reason, and they, you know, they need to change their diaper. Just putting the sign up, even if you never have to uh, do have those products available, even if you <laughs> never do it, sends really strong message to women. Wow, how thoughtful. And also for fathers who may have to turn, change the dirty diaper, you know. And so I think what, what we're talking about is a, is a lot of subtle ways to build your female-friendly presence. And we don't have time to talk today about how to your brand present your market presence but there there's a lot of work to do but it's really worth it right yeah. the bottom line is women customers are more loyal than men customers this is statistically she goes to the same manicures same person to get her hair done same market and even if you have a problem she is more willing to work through it with you if you're willing than men do and so once you have learned earned her trust and loyalty You've got a lifetime customer, A, B, positive word of mouth to her friends and family for you. Use those 20,000 words to, to, to shed in a positive light, right? That's, that's, that's the goal. Well, I, I really appreciate you being on the podcast, taking the time out of your day. Uh, you're, you're definitely very busy, and, and we really, really genuinely appreciate everything that you had to share with us today. Appreciate what you're doing for the industry as a whole. I think it's very noble and, and, and just cool. I, I, I love what you're doing and, and love what you're putting out there. Thank you, Jay. And same to you. I think Wrenchway is doing great things to educate and help our industry close the gap with the technician shortage. So, you know, in, in terms of what we're doing, we're both trying to change an industry culture to be more, you know, let's, let's all get into the, the real times and the real issues and solve those together. So I appreciate our friendship and thank you for having me today. It's an honor. Thank you, Jody. How, one last thing. How, how, do people, how do people get in touch with you if they, if they want to reach out and maybe help their shops become more female friendly? I'm a very public figure. You can email me at jdevere at askpatty.com. You can visit askpatty.com and click on get certified. You can also visit our new training site by visiting askpattytraining.com. A lot of information there. And my cell phone number is 805-208-1008. I have an open door policy. Would love to talk to you and help you develop a female friendly culture uh, to win with women. One of the best out there. I appreciate it, Jody, and uh, hope you'll join us on the podcast again. Absolutely. Have a great day.